Hello, Lisa. Hello. How are you? I'm well. How about you? Pretty good. It's been a little bit of a crazy week, but I head on vacation tomorrow morning. Nice. Where are you going? Um, we're first going to Boston and then for like two days. So we're mixing it up. We're doing urban for two days and then we're going to go to New Hampshire and do wilderness and mountains and hiking and all that good stuff. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So just a week that it'll be good. Yeah, Boston. Have you been to Boston before? Oh, my gosh. So long ago. It's embarrassing. Like, it's, I'm sure it's completely changed. Well, um, some of it probably has, but some of it probably hasn't. Um, the one thing that I did find that I like the best, and I'd only been there, I've only been there twice, no, three times. Um, and what I really liked was the Little Italy area. Um, okay. Um, have to look that up. Nice restaurants. Uh, one of them was called Strega. It makes you feel like you've walked into a, a, a like a nouveau cuisine version of Goodfellas. Oh my gosh, you have to send that to me. Yeah, it's, it's, really I have simple. one night left that I don't have meals planned for, and it's, um, next Thursday evening and we'll be back in Boston that night. And then like right down the street from that, if you're heading toward the river, there's like this place that's got cannoli that's supposed to be out of this world kind of bakery. You have to line up to get into this place. There's just oh, wow. a crowd of people in the, in the, I didn't get the cannoli. I got something else and it was fantastic. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and remember to send all that to you. Yeah. If you could, that'd be great. What else do y'all have planned to do in Boston? Um, I, well, I'm going to get on the university campuses, obviously, cause I'm a geek like that and my geekness, but Rob will only tolerate that for so long. Um, we're staying in the Bayback area and, um, I, eating good food and doing walking tours and yeah, that's, that's really not a whole lot of plan. We're just going to kind of see where it goes. So we land tomorrow morning and then we will be back. We're leaving there on Monday morning. So this whole trip is centered around Rob. So this ages all of us, but since we're all in the same decade, yeah, um, yeah. other people look at me like, what? So remember on Golden Pond? Yes. A hundred years ago. Um, so Rob has had on his bucket list that he wants to find that pond and go to it because it was so beautiful. Like I have this sentimental husband. So it's been on his bucket list. He has talked about it forever. So I finally was like, well, what the heck? I mean, I'm not going to spend a week on the pond, but I'm sure we can find this pond and see it and tie it into a trip. So this whole trip has been built around my husband seeing on Golden Pond, which is actually Squam Lake, New Hampshire. Wow. That's cool. So we are, so fly into Boston, drive to Squam Lake on Monday, rent a boat, stay in a bed and breakfast there, eat there, and then go to the White Mountains and stay at a resorty lodge thing and day hike. So, yeah. And, you know, it was fun. One of my friends here, our former worship pastor who owns a craft brewery, um, now, um, he, they, we ran into him at his brewery and they just got back 
from New Hampshire and showed us these pictures. And then I'm like, I don't even want to go to Boston now. I just want to go to New Hampshire. So it'll be great. Well, make sure you save some room in your suitcases to bring some maple syrup back. I know. I've heard. And and yes. what I did, what I found out though, not from we had gone somewhere. I think it was Vermont where we went, but um, they have all these in like tin cans, like you'd see an oil mm-hmm. can, like we used to yep. with kids. And that's the way to buy it because if you get it in these fancy bottles, it's going to cost you three times as much. But in these cans, we'll just have them in like these paper, like boxy kind of things. Right. Take them out. It's a lot less expensive, and you know you get the same stuff. And it's really that's great. Yeah, we bought we bought it that way when we came back. Oh gosh, it was a thousand years ago, but it's a, it's a good way to get that that way. Yeah. Actually, what I wanted to do was go fly into, um, Quebec, drive to Vermont, Mm. drive to on Golden Pond and fly out of Boston. But when we planned the trip, I still don't even know if you would be allowed to do that. But when we planned the trip, Canada was like still completely closed and, you know, they're not. They're not super friendly to tourism right now, so um, so that is not happening. So, how much uh, how much time do you have? you have anywhere you got to be at a certain? No, time? I'm good. Okay, all right, because I want to make sure we have plenty of time to get through everything. Um, yeah. Well, well, it'll be really, really loosey goosey. I like doing it that way; it's a lot more fun. Uh, yeah, I, did, I actually I have had such an insane week. When you said like, "Don't overthink it," don't think about it. I haven't thought about it once since I sent you that email. Perfect. That's that's great. That's great. I'm I'm like totally flub up everything. That's why it kind of works. It's a lot more fun that way. The whole time that Kim and I were in Franklin, our group 13, which is a super tight group, they were all like, okay, we're sick and tired of hearing about your special mastermind. Or Because they'd be like, well, in our mastermind. <laughs> and I was like, we all... Actually, all of Business Accelerator knows that you guys have the best mastermind. I'm like, well, that's good. (laughs) Hey, you're going to do it right. You might as well do it the best, right? That's right. Welcome to the Vision of Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy. This podcast is dedicated to helping you find your wins, have a better quality of life, and become the best leader you can be. Hey, have you subscribed to this podcast yet? Don't miss an episode. They're worth every single thing you paid for them, which is nothing because they're free. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast by hitting the subscribe button. Give us a rating and a review on your specific podcast player. This helps us with our podcast rankings and makes it easier for people to find us. And as always, please support those who help support us. episode 102 of this podcast, Chris interviewed Justin Kwan, Michelle Andrews, and Richard Ruth. They pointed out that as a profession, we have done a great job of letting our patients know that myopia is not a big deal. If you can see 2020, there is no worry. It is the high myopes that are more danger. And as they said, that message is tragic. Any myopia has a higher risk of maculopathy, glaucoma, and earlier cataract development. 
In the MySite one-day clinical trials, only 4% of study participants who got ProClear one-days stayed stable in their myopia progression over the three-year period. That means you can confidently say, parent, by not going to a system geared to slow the myopia progression, there is a 96% chance your child's vision will get worse. This may take away some of the choice your child has in the future as to how they will correct their vision. Choice, not fear of the disease associations with myopia, is what best resonates with parents when it comes to myopia control for their children. And with Cooper Vision's MySight One Day, we now have an FDA-approved single-use contact lens to lessen the progression of myopia in our patients. Contact your Cooper Vision representative to find out more about MySight One Day contact lenses. Welcome to the Business Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host, Ted McElroy, and I have today with me what I'd like to call my conscience, uh, Alicia Marker-Robbins. She and I are a mastermind group together. You've all heard me talk about Business Accelerator and how much that means to me. Well, this is sort of a a carve-out piece that they've set up for us to do where we get to share what kind of challenges or ideas or thought processes that we're putting together and we sort of just hash it out. And uh, Lisa basically busts my chops on a regular basis every time we get together. And I, I'm very excited to have her on the podcast today. Uh, Lisa, welcome. I'm, I'm really excited about this. Oh, thank you, Ted. And all that busting of chops is done in love and friendship. <laughs> I, I totally know that because I wouldn't have said the way I said it any other way. Um, you've, you have uh, a sort of a unique thing for a lot of business owners. You're actually running two businesses at one time. I know they're sort of similar in what they do, but still, wow, two businesses. Um, it's not like you weren't busy enough running this organization leap for however many years you've been at the helm of that, that suddenly you decided this year was the year to launch a second business. And on top of that, you're married, you've got five kids. I believe they're all grown. Is that correct? They are. Yeah. So you've got them out of the house at least, but that's that's just a massive undertaking, and I, I can't say how proud I am of you, or maybe how in awe I am of you of trying to do something like this. So I, I, it's, it's amazing. Oh, you're so kind. Thank you. I, and I'm crazy. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, so we all are a little bit. So yeah. one of the things I'd really love to have talked about, because while this program is mostly geared toward optometrists and things like that, we still have a lot of, basically, it's a lot of business owners. And the other co-host of this program, a guy named Chris Wolf, who's been kind enough to share this platform with me, he sort of does a lot of the business type kind of talks too, but a lot of his things go in more into treatment modalities and things like that, which main reason he does that is because he's a lot smarter than I am. And uh, I tend to gear more toward the business leadership kind of side of things a lot, which he does as well. But we all have families and something that you do, which is amazing, is help us make great decisions about our children's future, which mm-hmm. I'm currently kind of, I've got grownish children. I've got two 23-year-old boys. One of them is, is uh, in optometry school now, and the other one just graduated from the University of Central Florida with a degree in hospitality management, went through a little bit of kind of what am I going to do, even though he had a direction. And now has a degree and is still kind of, I don't know what to do next. And I know that happens so often because I hear it all the time. So the thing that you do helps in that process. And I'd like you to talk about that a little bit because this is the kind of thing that really appeals to parents. Yeah, sure. So thank you. Um, 
the what I'm doing. So the new quote business for that I'm launching that I've already started this year. Um, it's actually taking a service that we have provided in my original company, Leap, and that, that has been, we're in our 23rd year over there. So we're taking a service that we had there and we are putting it into its own brand, its own company, um, Flourish Coaching Company. And what we're doing there is walking out how to successfully launch students. And that's a lot about a lot of things, but the part that we are paying all the attention to is identifying what career or careers um, individuals are wired for to help students launch into that as they exit high school. And for some of them, it might be, what's it going to be right after high school? Maybe they're not co- four-year college bound. Um, but whenever that terminal piece of their education is preparing them to have identified beginning with the end in mind where they're going to thrive and be able to successfully launch and then helping them get clarity around that. So what does that process kind of look like? Because my kids went through this thing with a group in Atlanta, Johnson consulting or something like that. And they uh, had some assessments that they did and they looked at, I don't even know what they used. They may have used Colby. I don't, I don't know exactly what it was they used, but they, they used some sort of assessment to try and get an idea of what their predilections were potentially. They did a lot of interviewing with them. And uh, one of my children, the one I mentioned earlier that's in hospitality management has this real creative flair and really his love language is actually acts of service. So we did the, the five love languages. I mean, that kind of puts him right in that thing. However, he spent the first couple of years, uh, he transferred down to the University of Central Florida. And the whole time he'd been there, he was working with a restaurant um, as a server, not as a server, but as a host. And it was constantly getting berated by guests and really beaten down. And now he's struggling thinking, did I make the right decision? You know, so how does that process look to help people understand that, yes, this is the right decision, but maybe not the right place for that decision? Right. So what the process looks like, there's a framework. We have a proven five-step framework that we take individuals through. Um, We've done it 3,300 times with individuals over the last decade. What we're doing now is we're moving that into a course so that we can reach more people. That's where our heart is, is to impact more um, young adults and teens and their families, because frankly, we're impacting their parents too, and we help them with this. So our five-point framework actually goes into three pillars. So the first pillar is to know yourself deeply, to know yourself well. Um, I was reading a recent study. I can't even remember. I can't remember where I read this, but it was basically looking at successful CEOs and entrepreneurs and said that actually the key matrix, and I have it somewhere, I'll have to look it up, but uh, where the study was, but the the key performance indicator for who would be successful was self-knowledge. It was not any hard skill or even a bunch of the soft skills. It was how well do they know themselves? So that's where we start. Um, know yourself. So that goes in two ways. We actually use an assessment as well. It's the Berkman assessment. It's been around since the 1950s. And so we use that to just have meaningful conversations around what motivates us in the work that we do, what our strength behaviors, and then what our expectations of other people and our environment, which is one of the things your son's coming up against. 
Then we, under the know yourself pillar, we, our second step is to just see how you're showing up in the world. So that's, well, how are your grades in school? Um, what are your hobbies? How well do you test? You know, if you're going to have to, somebody wants to go into graduate school, they're going to still have to be taking beyond the ACT and the SAT. So are they going to be able to perform correctly? And then the second pillar is no careers. So that's where we teach them how to research not only the data side of careers, but then, and this goes along with what you're sharing on your son, curating experiences, whether that's through job shadows, internships, work, community service, um, interviewing others, networking, but curating experiences that they are then evaluating those experiences and those careers through the lens of what they know about themselves now. And then the final pillar in the last piece of our five-step framework is to know your path. So what does it look like to get credentialed to be able to be hired and successfully launch into that career. So that's the process we take families through, or the kiddos through. I say families because the parents are always somewhat involved too. Well, yeah, I mean, because we obviously, we want to see our kids flourish. That's why you use that great name, you know, and yep. we want to see our kids thrive and and feel successful. Uh, I, you know, everybody was saying to me when my, and so my kids left the house one day after the other. I mean, because they went to two different schools for undergraduate. One left on Thursday to go to undergraduate and the other one left on Friday. And we moved them both, wow. you know, away. So in two days, we went to an empty nest right away. And people were saying, oh, my gosh, how hard has it been? I said, it was great. You know, I knew I did my job. My job was to kick them out of the nest. And, you know, now they're doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, we didn't really hear a lot from them the first couple of days, you know, and it, while it kind of felt weird we knew we had done something right because they were able to sort of survive on their own. And that's what you're basically doing is you're creating an opportunity for them to survive on their own in a place that they're going to feel compelled to, to be successful. Right. And it goes beyond like, as we're making these, what I say, major choices and part of that is college majors for those that are college bound, but as they're making these major choices, there's a lot at play. So, um, for instance, I was talking to a, one of my clients this week, one of my students who actually is in college. She's starting her junior year of college and um, just was feeling lost. And that's how they found us. Um, but she, you know, there was a job that I'm like, well, you would probably like the tasks associated with it. But when we looked at the data for it, it's predicted to have a 6% decline. So as parents, going back to our empty or emptying nest that you and I have, um, they, you know, we don't, sometimes our kids think that, think that we want them moving back in or we want to be with them because, you know, they're trying to forge their independence and we're still being mom and dad sometimes. But it's like, no, we really want you guys successfully launched. We don't want you coming back. We don't want you living in our basements. Um, our idea, even though you think we want you back, is you're successfully launched and we're enjoying our empty nest as well. Well, that means that we have to be employable. We don't want to be, you know, so how many people are underemployed, unemployed, um, saddled with debt to get their degrees. Um, so there's a lot of other things as we're doing the deep dive on looking at careers that it's like you could maybe love doing something, but if it's declining because we're outsourcing that outside the U.S. or it's just a dying field, like those are things we need to know too. 
Yeah. And, and I would imagine, well, you know, this last year, probably a lot of careers changed as far as how successful or how accessible they're going to be moving forward. For instance, my son, you know, his, his goal in life was to get a job working at Disney and they did a massive layoff about the time he was getting ready to graduate, you know, and how's that going to, you've got to be able to think on your feet and, and, you know, I hate to use the word, but pivot and decide what's going to be your next step. And that's where you guys really are helpful in a lot of those things as the process goes through. I think that pivot, I love that you use the word pivot. So we, we talk a lot because sometimes um, families say to me, can, how can a teenager get clear on these things? Are we expecting too much? Um, I think they can get pretty clear. You know, they might, they walk into conversations around this where like every, the world's our oyster. Everything's a possibility. But when you really start to look at like hardwired personality, motivations, behaviors, and expectations, and you look at aptitudes, and then you look at the careers and how they align, we quickly can funnel it down. So it might be that a junior or a senior in high school has it down to two to four options, but I bet they share a lot of similarities in them. And so this, this pressure, and I, I feel like I've been, you know, I've been working with teenagers for 30 years. I was a high school teacher for eight years. And then 23 years ago, I started my business. Um, I think one thing I've noticed is changing a lot is kids feeling like, oh my word, the pressure of like, I'm making a forever decision. And so that's where that word pivot comes in, right? This is not a forever decision. If I look at my own life, I would say my greater purpose that has informed the decisions that I've made over a 30-year career is to help high school students and young adults get set up for their future. What I was helping them on or how I was serving them has had eight micro pivots, I say. So I went back and I counted them. I've had eight micro pivots, but still within that lane of my informed greater purpose that aligns with my wiring. So let's remove the pressure of I'm making a forever decision, right? It's a first decision on career and it's going to grow and change. And there's jobs out there that we don't yet know about. But I feel for kids who get like paralyzed because they're feeling like, oh, this is a forever decision. It's kind of like almost like the, the the soulmate thing. You know, there's only one person out there for you. That's a lot of pressure to put on God to say there's only one person That's out right. there to put up for you. You know, I mean, he's got to take into effect, you know, you're going to do some free will stuff and you're going to do. There, there's not just one job out there for you. There's not just one career. And it's like you were saying, I'll give you a good example. I, I, I know a, a guy that works in our industry. He's a salesperson. Person. He actually has risen to the ranks. Now he's a CEO of a company. His degree was in hospitality management. He started off with a hotel down in South Florida. He met his wife who was working at a LASIK center and as, a, as their marketing rep. And they said, you know, we do a lot of kind of hospitality kind of stuff. You ought to consider looking at And next thing you know, he's selling, he's actually selling equipment to doctors, you know, that are hundreds of thousands of dollars. And he's got a hospitality management degree. But it all translates into taking care of people. And that's what I kept yes. trying to tell Alex. It's not just about working at a hotel, working at a park. It's, it's, there's other things, too. And there are so many other things in other people's careers just like that. Well, I, you know, it's, 
like you said to Alex, it's, there's a lot of ways that is, it's really getting to what your greater purpose is, right? So there's a lot of ways of how this can look. So I, when I started my career, I was a teacher. So that I was very like traditional inside the box, taught high school. I was a teacher, um, got my master's in education, thought I would be a principal, uh, got that degree for that, ended up like a year later, not using that. And then, but I would say I, I still use it, but I never became a principal. Um, so, but if you ask me now, I'm like, I'm still a teacher. So I'm still teaching people. And so my greater purpose is that, that niche of teens, high school students, young adults. But my, another part of that purpose is to be a teacher of others, even as a business owner. You know, we have 38 team members on my primary company, the, the one that I've had for the last couple of decades. Um, I'm often teaching as a business owner, as a CEO, um, especially my core team. So it's like, think out the bo- outside that box. So if we just think of teaching as, oh, it's being in front of a classroom, we're really, you know, we're, that gives you one option. But there are so many options. Like if I were in um, human resources and training and development, that's teaching. Mm-hmm. So many ways. So you have to often like think outside the box. And I think you know, as teenagers, they're just developing those higher level analytical critical thinking skills. So they need to be resourced by their parents, the adults in their lives. And that's what we're trying to do is be a resource for family. So this is not as overwhelming because when we have a framework and we have people to help us walk things out, then it's less overwhelming. And we see possibilities that weren't even there before. So there's a lesson that you're teaching right now. And it's not even in what we're talking about, but I want to hit on this because you've used the phrase five-step framework about nine times already. I'm not counting. I'm just thinking. I have. <laughs> no, I'm not really. I'm not counting. But but the, the reason I'm saying yeah. this is because it's a – what's the purpose behind your five-step framework? And, and I'm, I'm, the reason I'm asking this is because I want hear, I want hear someone to say this out loud because that five-step framework fits in so many different – organizations and companies. So what is it that's so special about this five-step framework? Okay. So I actually, I have a private Facebook community called Launch Career Clarity. It is, I just started it in January because I just started my brand in January. And um, we have about 600 people in there right now. And um, the when our parents are asking, so it's mainly parents uh, sometimes oh, I love it when I get like some, a couple of people said like I'm the aunt of someone and I'm helping my niece or my nephew, which I'm like, oh, I love that. Pulls on my heartstrings. So when they're coming into my group, I, I give them three questions. One of the questions is if you could wave a magic wand and have an answer to a problem around this area, what would it be? And I would say in the top two, I'd have to look at my top two answers that I get, but this is either one or two. And it is, how can I motivated, motivate my student? My student's unmotivated. They're not interested in the future. They're, and, and really the conversation I get into with people is this does feel like a big deal to them. And when the human brain does not know how to do something, then it freezes. And so I think these, these parents feel like their students are unmotivated. They're just overwhelmed. And so 
the magic of having a five-step framework that, you know, anybody who has three steps, five steps, six steps, whatever it might be, I just finished taking a course that was seven modules. Um, that is helping the brain to not be overwhelmed. So it has a framework, a path, so that you can actually make pros- progress. So it's, it's really, that's the purpose of having a framework. And so what you're basically doing is you are instilling confidence in these customers because you've yes. got this process in place and you spell out this process and you show them the path. And, and it's not just a, well, I got a problem. Well, I have a solution. It's a, right. I have a problem. Well, here's a process that we have that's going to get you through this. And you are going to be successful because of this. And the whole right. time you're doing this, you're focusing on that customer, not on this wonderful thing that you're going to do. You're just the guy. Right. Right. I, you know, I, I always, I've said over and over, we don't need just another assessment. Yes, I use an assessment because it, I believe in the Berkman assessment wholeheartedly. It's amazing. I, I test drove all of them. Um, and I love the working genius from a work standpoint that you're certified in, Ted. Um, we're going to have to have you do something with our team. Um, but this, I, this idea of if I, if I were providing a solution, you know, that's like providing a pill, right, from the doctor. Or I would give an assessment and say, yes, here's the one thing that you're going to be. You actually need a coach. You need a process, not just a solution. So it's being the guide and helping people walk that out. And the cool part about our framework is when you walk through it in my course, you actually are going to do a deep dive on a career that the student or the young adult chooses to do. But now you've got a framework that all you would have to do is continue to apply that framework to different careers to walk through to assess fit. Because ultimately what we're doing through that process is we've got this bucket of options. And I'm like, even for myself, I could give you a bucket of options of jobs that I would love doing. If my job went away today, I can quickly name things that I would love doing. Um, But we've got to take a first step on one of those items So we do have to come up with reasons to throw things out. I joke around with kids and I say, you know, you might look at these options in your bucket and you might go, oh, I don't want to go to school that long. Okay, you throw it out. Um, Oh, I, you know, I want to, um, I, I want to work with people more. Okay, throw this other one out. Oh, I don't want to make that much money. Just kidding. Nobody ever says that. So you've got to go through, though, and you've got to find, you know, what fits. But you you do have to, it goes back to your whole, like, soulmate thing. I actually, I love that you brought that up. I say to my students all the time, I'm like, I don't believe in soulmates. And my husband knows I don't believe in soulmates, so he's not going to be shocked. Um, we have decided to be married and committed together and we work on our marriage and we got to put in the work, right? I could be married to somebody else and do that same thing, but this is who I chose. I don't, and I've said for a decade, so I love that you said it. Um, We've never had that conversation before, but I don't believe romantically in soulmates and I don't believe in a soulmate for your job either at all. That's great. You know, and because first of all, it gives you options, you know, and it sets you, it sets your mind free where you're not paralyzed by making the perfect decision. Um, you know, that's, that's what tends to paralyze people so badly is they're looking for this perfect thing when all they really need to do is just take a first step, move into that next direction and then figure out if that's the right. Then if you're not already at the end of the path, 
Okay, back up, go down the other path. You've got yeah. an opportunity. What well, it's like? What's the what's the worst thing that can happen? And when we really <laughs> have a conversation around what's the worst thing that can happen around these types of decisions, it's really not that bad. Yeah, well, you know, and go say, on, what's the worst thing that can happen? It usually is more of a fun thing, and it usually turns out to be really bad. So I, I'm trying not to do that for often. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, not for you, not for you. You know, and some I heard recently somebody say, and I, I wish I could remember who it was. Uh, it was somebody that Amy Porterfield had on her um, podcast. But um, clarity comes from movement in motion. So let's go back to this idea of being like overwhelmed or parents feeling like their student is unmotivated. They're just not clear, but it re, it's going to require, it's not going to just, you know, come to us. You have to be an active participant. If it's your future, they have to be an active participant, but there has to be movement in motion to get clear. It's not going to just happen. So just sitting and around and waiting for something to happen is not the right path is what you're saying. It's not the right path. And I think we know that, but then, you know, parenting's hard, especially in those years, right? In the teen and young adult years, they're starting to forge their independence and they don't want to be parented that much. Um, but yet they still need, like I said, they need their parents to resource them in a number of different ways, not do it for them, but, but give them things to resource them to help them out. When, when you're putting your team together to coach these kids, young adults, are there certain people that you know are going to be a better fit for that particular individual than others? Or is it sort of a everybody fits everybody kind of process? It off, I would say 80% of the time um, with our coaches, any of us could probably step up, step in and do that. Um, and this is when we're doing the one-on-one, you know, when we're doing the course, I'm leading the course, but on the one-on-one, um, there are exceptions to that though. I, I tend to have a, um, I would say just, I don't know if it's an easier time or I don't know. I, I I really like, maybe it's just because I like it so much. I like the high school or the college students. I also like the students who have what I call a false start, they maybe went to college, things didn't go as planned, and we have to regroup. Um, so I, I like those myself. A lot of those fall on my lap. But then we've got Julie on our team. Um, she's got a lot of expertise around neurodivergence, um, particularly on the autism spectrum disorder. I actually just wrote a blog on our Flourish Coaching um, website recently about I get this question a lot too, not as much as the motivation question, but um, will this framework and will the Berkman <clears throat> assessment work for my student who is ADHD, has epilepsy on the autism spectrum, fill in the blank, anything neurodivergent that would fall into that category. Um, and it's like, well, yes, everybody has to do what they love. Right. You know, we all people get shocked by this statistic. We work, we go to school, kindergarten through 12th grade, 16,000 hours. It's a big number. Yeah. Until I tell you that the average person will work 90,000 hours. So we need to do what we love 
And that doesn't matter if you're neurodivergent or whatever you are. Everybody has to love it in the framework works the same. But like Julie has, um, she actually has a son with autism and learning disabilities. And so she's just so great with that, that I punt those to her a lot of the time because she also just from a soft skill standpoint, she gets what it, it's like to parent in that realm as well. So what does a typical day look like for you now that you're running two companies? <laughs> well, Ted, I'm trying to get to where it looks a little more, not day, but I would say my week, my ideal week back in our language, our business accelerator language, so that it, it's looking a little bit more consistent. I am finding, it's funny, after for a very long time being able to just have a rhythm to find a new rhythm. Um, so I spent, I take my week. I don't do any meetings on Fridays. That's a rule that I have because I, as extroverted as I look, I'm a hidden introvert. So by Friday, because I have so many client meetings during the week, um, I just, I made an exception for this because I like it so much, but I, I otherwise, that's for sure. <laughs> I otherwise don't do meetings on Fridays. So it is a uh, deep work on the business. It's creative work that I need space for. Um, so <clears throat> that would be my Fridays. And then I have two days, uh, Tuesday afternoons, Wednesday mornings where I have like half day chunks, half a day where I can also do deep work or, do development work with one of my team members that um, we have a new operations manager who's running the the show over on the leap side now. And um, I might do a project work with her. And then I've got um, internal team me- meetings on another half day. And then the rest of my slots are filled with facing client facing meetings where I'm actually doing the teaching and the coaching. So you've got your days pretty much planned out. That's what you're saying. For sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Color coded. Why, why? Why does that become so important? I mean, I know the answer to this question, and I apologize. I'm I'm leading you completely right down the primrose path here. But you know, there are so many of us. I was this person a few years ago. There are so many of us who are just sort of floating, so or drifting, to use Michael's term. Um, why is it so important that you've got this whole week just planned out to the nth degree? Because, well, let's also use another Michael Hyatt term, you know, what gets scheduled gets done. And so when I know, like, even I think about like what we were talking about with like brain work and overwhelm and freezing up and looking unmotivated, if I don't have things scheduled and then suddenly like I finish doing something and I don't say to myself, oh, I'm in my blue zone, which for me is project work, big three work. Um, or I'm in a pink zone and I have a break. What can I, pink zones are client facing serving clients. If I don't have that, then my brain gets overwhelmed and I think of all the things that I could be doing or should be doing. And when I have my week planned like that, I just go, I'm in a pink zone. I have a half hour break between clients. I might have emails that need to get returned to serve clients. Like it informs the use of my time. And then it stops my brain from even having to spend energy on being overwhelmed. So I just go into that task, you know, and I keep a task list as well, besides those chunks of of time that I'm using. So you've always got something to fall back on just in case. Absolutely. Yes. Because I am, I am 
um, you had sort of referenced working genius a, a moment ago. I am a wanderer and an inventor. I like to sit around and think about stuff. I like to talk about ideas. I love to share ideas. I, if somebody could just pay me to do this kind of stuff all day long, I would do it all day long. Um, you know, and I like to come up with new ways of doing things. But when it comes to being tenacious and pushing that thing across the goal, I stink at that. I'm really bad at it. And because of having an ideal week and a, a ritual for my day, I get stuff done. So much so that one of my dear friends and many of the audience will know this guy, Mick Kling, had said to me one time, he says, the difference between you and a lot of other people I've met is you just get stuff done. I go, if you only knew what was going on in my head, you would know that was really not that easy for me. But because I put frameworks in place, it makes things happen. And it sort of doesn't give me wiggle room, which I really can't afford to have any wiggle room in my life. I completely agree. And I do find when I have weeks where I break my, where I wiggle too much, where I break my rules on my week, it does not go well. Overwhelm does quickly come in. I am not moving the needle on what matters as a business owner of two businesses. Um, you know, it, it is not a good thing. You know, I'm, I'm also, I'm invention and discernment are my two, uh, geniuses. And I also am horrible about tenacity. So, but you know what? That informs who I hire, right? So over here on my core team where I've got 38 team members, I actually do give working genius um, right at the beginning of our screening process. And then as I get deeper in, I use the Berkman assessment on my final candidates to see who we're going to hire uh, it, to help us inform our, our decision. But I look for that tenacity because I know that that's a weakness of myself. And my word, it's awful. Yeah. <laughs> We've got, fortunately, a lot of people in my organization who have tenacity, but they also have enablement. Uh, which is for those that don't know this term, that sounds terrible. It's actually a good thing. In this case, it's just people who want to help people. And, you know, if you're in a healthcare field, you want people who want to help people. And Absolutely. So I'm surrounded myself with those people. It's not that that's actually not my genius. It's in my sort of com competency. Thank goodness it's not in my frustration like uh, tenacity is and like galvanizing, which is trying to get people behind an idea my way of getting people behind an idea is like, I don't know why y'all can't just figure this out and do it. What is wrong? With <laughs> that is how I galvanize. Um, but, you know, that doesn't work out very well most often. Um, but the, but having these kind of frameworks in place, having these kinds of opportunities to have no wiggle room. I know that sounds crazy to call it an opportunity to have no wiggle room, literally get stuff done. And were it not for that, especially in a situation where you're running two organizations, you've got to have it planned out and set in motion because you're not just going to, it's not just going to happen. It's, you know, you can't just put a loaf of bread and a jar of peanut butter on the table and expect a peanut butter sandwich to make itself. It, it has to have some process to it. Well, I find too, like <clears throat> the stuff that's not getting finished so you, know, you were talking about like, it's not going to get done, but there are still things that, um, especially as I'm developing this secondary brand, it's like, oh, that's not getting finished. And then I'm like, okay, I do I need to, going back to some of the things that you and I both know, do I need to automate this, delegate this? Do I need to 
I, today, this morning, I created a project vision caster that I handed off to our operations manager because it was just something that was not getting done or I no longer really need to do. And so the stuff that at the end of the week, you're like, it's either consistently not getting finished, it's not coming to completion, uh, either the wrong person's doing it, or maybe we don't have a process or a procedure in place for that. And so that sort of informs for me, like, what my next thing is that we need to automate, delegate, or come up with a proper process for a team member to do. So how do you decide what things you don't do anymore? How, what, I mean, and, and how many of those things are stuff that you kind of like to do a lot? Yeah, well, so I would say you're right. I am giving up some things that I like to do over on the primary brand on the leap side of my business. Um, but I have an opportunity to now invent them and do them over on the florist side of the business, right? So by hiring Michelle, our new operations manager, who has a ton of education management experience, and this was like huge blessing that we found her. Um, I am handing off some stuff that it's at times I'm like, oh, I should babysit that more. Like it's hard, right? And I'm like, nope, just trust her. It'll be fine. And what's the worst thing that could happen, right? We have to go back and have a conversation about it or redo it or I, or maybe I failed in explaining myself. So Michelle really has been tasked with insulating me over there and taking the ball. So I have to just keep reminding myself that that's why I am investing in her and hiring her to do that so that then I can take this brand over here and I'm develop all those things. And I guess if everything goes as planned and I haven't, I don't really say this or think this far ahead, but I, someday, I guess there would be an operations manager over there. So part of my fun is, and this is why I've had eight pivots is on invention. I just keep inventing new things, but instead of just moving on to something else, if you look back over the 23 years since I started my first business leap that I develop something, I invent it, and then I hand it to somebody else to run. So I was a one-woman show 23 years ago, and then I brought on my first person, and I even said to her way before I had this language through a business accelerator, I said, this is an experiment. And I told her that in October, and I said, if by May, financially, we're not having the gain that I expect us to have, and this was 11 years ago, I said, then, you know, it, it won't be personal. It's just business. I'll have to step back into that lane. Well, we got the growth that we needed, right? And then I'm like, ah, this works. So that just has set me really on this path of create a new program or a service around a need that people have with high school students and young adults, families have, create the program to fill the need, run it myself for a little bit, give it to somebody else to do. And I've just done that about five times now. But another thing I think that helps you with this is not only do you continually create a new program or a new thing, but you have the ability to decide that's a good idea. That's a bad idea. Uh, something I'm kind of lacking in and uh, you know, that's everything's a good idea to me. Oh, that sounds like a great idea. I, you know, that's, you know, so there's lots of great ideas. It's, there's nobody telling me there's a bad idea and I have to get a, somebody who can do that for me. That's where you come in literally. Um, you know, one of the things that we have and we've alluded to this a little bit is our mastermind group. Yeah. 
you know, the ability for us to sit down with six other people and to have a conversation about things that are really important to us. Uh, sometimes it's, it's, well, more often than not, it's business, but sometimes it's personal. Sometimes it's something mm-hmm. that's going on in our lives and to just have somebody else to say this sort of thing too, and have you literally to speak into me as this is what I see because I'm on the outside of this. It's helpful because I'm in the middle of this hairball and I can't mm-hmm. figure it out. Whereas you're sitting on the outside. How did, how do you come up with the ideas of what you're going to bring to our group uh, and I'm asking this more, you know, just because I know what the process is, but I want everybody to hear from me. But how do you decide what you're going to bring up to our group that we talk about? So and I and I do want to say, like, I think I underestimated what the power of the mastermind was going to be when I signed up. I'm like, it was just another thing that we were doing in Business Accelerator. I thought, well, I'll do this. And it's been obviously our group is a life changing group for for all of our members. Um, so it's where I'm having pain in the two weeks. Like I start reflecting about two weeks before I know we're having that meeting and I see the date creeping up on my calendar. And sometimes it doesn't come to me till the day before or even the morning of, but I, I think about it. I pray about it. It's things that I'm having, um, pain points around, in my business, sometimes that might be more than I can bring to one meeting and I got to choose one. And I, I just get that clarity sometimes not even until that day or even our last one I went into and I was down to like two things that I was going to bring you all. And because of where the conversation was going and, and we've seen this happen multiple times, we almost start to build on one another sometimes. So somebody else, I'm like, ah, okay, you know, Jason, that we've got a little bit of an overlap there. And Jason and I had a commonality recently. And so we kind of built and we were able to play off each other. And so my problem and Jason's problem or opportunity, we both gained stuff from each other sharing because we had the whole group giving us advice, you know, do you I find, love it. Do you find it comforting uh, scary or some other emotional factor that even though we all have completely different businesses, we all have the same problems. Um, it's comforting. And I, but I would say when we first got assigned to our group, when we switched into this group, um, when they were redoing groups, I was like, how in the world is somebody in optometry, real estate, tech, um, apparel manufacturing, like that was scary to me. I actually, I don't even know if it was scary. I just, I was a doubter. I was like, there's no way that those industries are going to be able to help me solve these problems. And so I was a total doubter and went into it thinking like, I'll try it for a few months. And I did make a six month commitment and I'm a person who sees through my commitments, but I'll probably be out come May when we break. And um, so I would say it's like, it's comforting that we, I think it's comforting that we get some of the same pain points, but they always have their own little industry twist, right? (laughs) And I think the beauty of the mastermind is if I were in there with a bunch of people in education management and serving families, 
I don't think I would get as creative solutions as I get when I have people surrounding me from all these different industries. Because you guys have such a great outsider's view, you know, um, it just amazes me. And same for me, too. And, and the reason I wanted to ask this question is because there are so many people in our own industries that just, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some really smart people with that we all get to know in our own industry. But the problems, they're all the same problems even outside of our industry. The very first business accelerator group I went to in, Fra- in Franklin, it was amazing. After the first 20 minutes, I thought, oh, my gosh, they have the exact same problems I have. They all complain about their people, and they talk about all the money they wish they had that they could spend on stuff. It's the same problems I've got, you know. And, I mean, I don't really mean that we don't complain. I really, truly do get to work with some of the most wonderful people on the planet in my office. But, you know, we all have people that we're around all day long. and. Mm-hmm. Those problems are all the same, regardless of whether you're in education, apparel manufacturing, real estate, investing, you know, taking home health care, all these kind of weird things. And the solutions, like you said, they're so unique because there's this unique bent on what they experience. But the other part of it, of course, is the fact that you're in the middle of this tornado and you can't see because of everything that's flying around you. And I guess what the reason I'm saying all this is because I'm urging everybody to to get a group of people like this. Around. Yes. You know, there are people in your town that own a Chick-fil-A or own a, you know, own a uh, shoe store or something like that. And you can get together once a month over a coffee and have these kind of conversations. Right. I, you know, there's so many groups that do like, I hear people talking about, oh, my BNI group, and I've never done one and I'm not here to slam that or anything, but I'm like, I think that you you get so much more out of like a mastermind problem solving type relationship. Like every everybody should do one. You don't even have to be a business owner to do it. If you are responsible within a business for a project, objectives, overseeing people, management, like you could benefit from uh, having a mastermind, having a group surrounding you. Yeah, because it's the the just the coaching abilities that come out of these other people, no matter how inferior they are, talking about myself, compared to everybody <laughs> else. You know, it it's amazing what happens from from what comes out of their mouths. Uh you just uh, one little thing starts this huge snowball after a couple of years of and I think the other reason that I you talked about how wonderful our mastermind group is, and it is the best, um, yes. is because there's this trust. You know, mm. we know that we are going to trust each other enough to say what we all need to say, not, you know, sugarcoat it, not hold back and say it because we truly do care about each other. You know, even in such a short amount of time, we've gotten to this great relationship with each other. And, and ladies and gentlemen, we only spend about two hours once a month with each other. And that's have it. Been so deep, you know, that that equates to about 15 minutes a person if you want to do the math on that one. And then, you know, it's, it's also like, just so everybody who's listening knows, it's not like we're all texting and emailing each other in between meetings. We are super busy entrepreneurs and we don't have margin to just, I mean, we have maybe a couple follow-up emails, but it is the depth that we've gone in those two hours um, for sure. It's funny when you say about like, we can trust each other to give like hard truth because we care about each other to help. I often say to my clients, um, 
I am a truth teller. And sometimes it means I'm giving hard advice, good advice, but not popular advice. So I'm not going to be here to tell people what they want. And for my clients, they're paying me for a service. So I'm saying to them, you know, um, I'm not worth a single dollar that you pay me. If I'm here going to be here to give you popular advice, I'm here to give you good advice. And that means that sometimes I have to deliver a hard message. So we're not that we're paying within our mastermind group each other, but it's the same type of thing. We give good advice, not popular advice, not what we want to hear necessarily. And the thing happens in my field a lot. I mean, I'm unfortunately having to give lots of bad news out on a regular basis. And, you know, the last person, last thing someone wants to hear is you're going to go blind, um, you know, mm. and to say it in a way that is loving and caring and at the same time, brutal. Um, yeah. you know, and it has to be done. So those kind of things play for our businesses too. And for our family lives as well, we need people to talk into us and say, that's not good enough. And I think that's one of the best things that we get out of this group together is the fact that we can all look at each other and say, that's not good enough, or that's amazing. I can't believe you thought of that um, because that was something I never saw coming. So thank you for your help. And that's, that's what's really great about this whole group. I agree. So as you're moving into this, I know I keep referring back to the new realm and things, mm-hmm. what kind of guardrails are you putting up to keep you from keep you on your path to where you're not veering off course. So as a helper of people my entire life, it can be really hard to say no when someone asks me for help. And so I am developing a skill over probably I would say the last just it's right about a year from now where I am saying no more often. Um, I actually posted to another group of friends recently. I said, does anybody have tiny panic attacks when they're like turning down business? That would be lucrative now, but it doesn't hit the long-term goal. And so um, I, am, I, have, I turned down a speaking engagement for this fall that I've done the last few years with a a local private high school that we greatly like. And and we're going to be there for another event they have, but I said no to a different event because the timing of it will get in the way of the launch of my course, which we're going to be opening our course at the end of September. That was really hard for me to do because I like those people and I want to help. Um, I am turning down one-on-one more, I'm turning down a lot of one-on-one coaching business myself, but lucky for me, I've got a team. So um, some of it I'm just giving to them, but there's some work that we're literally saying no to right now. And that's because I firmly believe that opening up our course in a course format, um, we're going to be able to reach more people. But the other side of that too, and we this is, goes back to kind of the mastermind framework or business accelerator when you're walking it out with other people, and that's what I hope is that I'm not only inspiring and coaching people towards a solution, but they're also sharing, have a shared experience, which also helps inform and help and motivate and give ideas 
uh, through the course. So I would say the number one thing I'm doing is learning how to say no, and I'm not 100% great at it right now. Um, I'm getting better at it, but it's still hard every time I say no because I like to help people. So, I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen if you said yes to everything? Oh, if, <laughs> I would implode. I would have a heart attack at some point, and I, and I don't say that lightly. I literally, the, the level of stress would be awful. I would not be able to adhere to my ideal week at all. I would not get my, I would not meet my annual quarterly, weekly goals at all. I know that. And I probably didn't know that two or three years ago at all. And so I said way too many yeses. And part of my growth over the last year is going like, you, you say yes to what fits with the vision and the goals. And you, it means I got to say no to some stuff. Well, actually, if you said yes to something, you've already said no to something else. That's right. You know, because you and, can't, I, and I know, I guess I know now what I'm not going to say no to. And that is the vision I have for what we're doing over at Flourish Coaching. You have that written down somewhere? I mean, what you're, what you're going to I mean, not necessarily like specifically, but do you have certain things that you've, you've decided I'm yes. not going to do this? Yes. So I have, or I won't take more than X number of this amount of work or so I do have it written down. Yeah, one and it really is looking at my ideal week and going like, how many hours are there in a month? How many people can I serve one-on-one in a month? And then based on my ideal week, how many slots I have open for um, meetings? Yeah, I mean, you know, in optometry, the, the vast majority of us are just wanting to help people. That's what we want to do. And Absolutely. for us to say no oh, I just didn't help that person. That's what they sort of thing. But what we don't realize is there are a lot of things that we're doing that aren't bringing us any joy or not bringing any profit to our businesses. Um, you know, that if we would stop doing them, it would free up an ability to truly take care of somebody in the way they need to be taken care of and free that guest, patient, customer, whatever you want to call them, the ability to go to somebody else who that is what they really do well, you know, so we're actually doing a good thing by saying no a lot of times. I've actually, um, this goes to what you just said about like, they might have somebody else that could serve them better or uh, you're serving your people better. If you do some no's occasionally I'll have, uh, you know, somebody that I'm in a coaching relationship with one-on-one or with their family for a number of years. And they'll say, well, can I just, can I text you or can I call you? And particularly when um, I still had kids in the house, I just, I would say, no, I've always, that's actually, I've always said no to that one over 23 years of this business. But um, I, and I just say, I want to give you my full attention. So one of my rules has always been, even for decades now, if I'm talking to you, Ted, I want you to have my full attention. You deserve that. I deserve that and you deserve that. If I'm in Kroger grocery shopping for my family and my client's calling me because it feels urgent or an emergency to them, I'm either going to like not get the right stuff or I might give wrong advice because I'm thinking about what cereal my kids want to eat. So it's just being present and... 
Um, I've always had that rule, but I would say in my organization, I've really doubled down over the last year on when you are with your family, I want you to be 100% with your family. Like the building would have to be burning for me to call you during that time. If you are at work, then you need to be at work. We deserve your attention during that time. And then people aren't getting all stressed out, like trying to do five things at once. So as we sort of wrap up here, I want to make sure I'm taking care of your time because you're getting ready to go on vacation. I am. That's amazing. Um, What I would want to do is if, what would you really like to leave people with uh, as far as looking at their children's future? How would you want to lead this conversation? I would say that your your teen or young adult is not necessarily unmotivated. I think that's a minority of kids. Um, and I want to inspire you that everything is figure outable, even though that's not a real word. It is now. And it is now. Um, everything is figure outable. They, if you have the right framework and a process, so it is not overwhelming, you would be amazed at the progress towards clarity on what that future looks like that you can make. So what's the best way we can get people to get in touch with you to find out these answers? Yes. So my website and uh, where we are on social is Flourish Coaching Co. C-O for company. FlourishCoachingCo.com. That is our handle on Instagram and on Facebook. But where we have the richest conversations is inside our Launch Career Clarity Facebook community, uh, where we share resources and interact as a community. And then every Thursday, we send a uh, an email that you can request on the website that you get a free resource from me. Uh, it's a curated resource that will help your journey from someone else. It's going to add high value, and I give a conversation cue to use with your teen or young adult. Well, I'll make sure we get that stuff put in the show notes so everybody can get a chance to do that. Uh, at least I really appreciate your time. And uh, this is going to oh, be so fun. I, I'm glad you had a good time because, I mean, I, I have a blast every single time I do this. And, and uh, I, it was fantastic. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Ted. I appreciate it. Certainly. I really appreciate this, Lisa. This is going to be a lot of fun. and That was great. Thank you for the opportunity. Certainly. I, I mean, I really, again, because of what we sort of went through early on with my kids, I think this is such a great thing for people to experience. And it gives so much clarity and lets them give some just comfort in knowing that it's okay to, you know, and you know this because you're doing this, but I can't tell you how many kids I'm sitting in the exam room with. So what are you going to be when you grow up? I don't know. Yep. That's fine. That's what college is for, kind of, you know, but you need to have a little bit of a duration. Right. Well, it's we talk a lot, too, about there are like there are certain college majors that if you don't figure out by the time you are applying to college or enrolling in college, that that's what your major is. The Your opportunity is either limited or eliminated to pursue that. 
uh, once you're already in college. So, you know, an example would be University of San Francisco. If you want to be, do mer- nursing, they allow no transfers into their nursing program. Johns Hopkins University allows no transfers into their biomed engineering program, but you can transfer in any other engineering program. But even sometimes when they say, oh, yeah, there's opportunities, we'll allow you to switch majors. Well, how many kids last year switched majors? Five. That's all we had room for. Yeah. Well, that's limited. So if they can get narrowed down, it's, it's certainly helpful. I did an interview this morning with Stormy Bradley. Do you know her? I just, I know of her. Well, is, she, yeah. is she in your group? No, she's in group three. I'm in seven. Okay. And, but we keep, like, we were in a mastermind group together when they first tried to roll those out. And then um, we, I can't remember which intensive it was we went to, but we got, I got there early enough that we were sort of sitting downstairs in the lobby area and she walked by, Oh, I stormy. And she goes, Ted, you know, and we started talking and it seems like the last three times we've been there every time they've been there. So that's kind of been, you know, how you got to know her. Yeah. And so we've had a couple of conversations in the coffee shop and here and there. And, you know, it was, it was really really neat. She is. Um, she's got some really, really huge aspirations that I have no doubt she's going to fill. Um, she's going to be governor of Texas one day. Guaranteed. I just got goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. She announced her uh, candidacy for the state house yesterday. No way. Yeah. So she's running for a state Senate tomorrow. I mean, this this next coming election. And um, she's never been in politics before, except, well, I'll tell you about she's She's been on the, the local school board. Okay. You know, but that's her only exposure to politics. She's going from local school board to state house. So that's massive. Wow. How old is she? I know she's way younger than we are. She's in her early thirties. Okay. Yeah. And that's why you have energy when you're that good and you're that young and that good. You've got the energy to have those aspirations. Yeah. But just like you, she's running two businesses at once. Oh, Okay. So, you know, that's that's what I can't get over the two of you guys doing that kind of thing. Y'all are blowing me away on that. <laughs> so, 